Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Matthew. Today is episode 728, and we're looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 48. Let's read the passage. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do that same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew's writing this gospel to a Jewish audience. His desire is that they would recognize Jesus is the promised Messiah. Jesus is the anointed one, the Christ, and he is the one whom even Jews should place their faith in. Well, he's in the teaching ministry of Jesus, and he's in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount covers chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. And the Sermon on the Mount began with the Beatitudes blessings that are there for people who know the Lord. Then he talked about the distinctiveness of Christians. Christians are to be different from the world. They're to have a different set of values and to act differently, and they're to be an effect on the world, to be salt and light in the world. Then he's talked about fulfilling the law, because the big question is, what's all this have to do with the Mosaic law? Because remember, he's writing to a Jewish audience. And so he began with some general comments. There he says, I didn't come to abolish the law. The Old Testament is still the legitimate word of God. However, in order to really understand it and apply it properly, you must understand what Jesus is saying. Then he gives these six examples of how the, what they've been taught in the law is applied with Jesus' understanding. We talked about murder, adultery, divorce, oaths, and retribution. Now we finish up with the last one about love. Verse 43 says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, this is the way each of these six begins with, You've heard this. You've been taught this. And here he quotes somewhat from Leviticus 19, verse 18. Love your neighbor. If you actually read, Leviticus 19.18, Moses says, Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus says, love your neighbor, but didn't that as yourself? We'll see that later on as he's interacting with people. And this part about hate your enemy, that's not in Leviticus. In fact, it's nowhere in the Old Testament. The issue is, people have been taught love your neighbor, and it's obvious the context of Leviticus is talking about within the community, within Israel. So the question then becomes, who is my neighbor? I'm to love my neighbor, which means if you're not my neighbor, I don't have to love you. And the common saying, common understanding was love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's why Jesus says, this is what you've been told, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, 
Some of it was from the Old Testament, limited though, and the other part is not as from just popular belief. So as I said, the, the issue then becomes, who is my neighbor? In fact, this comes up in Luke's gospel when Jesus is encountering an expert in the law. In fact, we look at the gospel of Luke, chapter 10, starting in verse 25. It says, Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He asked him. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? See, there's the the sticky part there. Uh, Love your neighbor as yourself. But who is the neighbor? That's where love is limited to. My neighbor. Then Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, where the man is beaten up by thieves, and a priest passes him by but leaves him on the road. The Levite passes him by but leaves him on the road. Then a Samaritan, who is uh, considered a half-breed as far as the Jews are concerned, actually treats the man and takes care of him. And then Jesus asks, which of these do you think proved to be the neighbor? And the expert in the law says, the one who showed mercy. Jesus said, go and do the same. So the lesson there was about who is the neighbor. So here Jesus is combating not so much what the Old Testament says, but the way they were applying it. They were limiting love to the neighbor. And the challenge says, define neighbor. Find as narrowly as you can. That's then how you have to respond to that. Verse 44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. There's a little subtle shift here. You may not notice, but he says in verse 43, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Enemy is singular. But then 44, he says, but I tell you, love your enemies, plural. So he takes it even beyond. It's not just love your enemy, but it's love all your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So Jesus takes it beyond any limitation on who the neighbor is. So it's not just love those who are your neighbors. And we can define that in a variety of ways to limit it to, so we don't have to love anybody beyond that little fenced-in area. He says, no, you know, you got to love everyone, not just your neighbors, but even your enemies. And this is pretty outlandish thinking for most people. Love your enemies. No, you hate your enemies. And specifically, even pray for those who persecute you. So look for the best for even those who are mistreating you. Then he adds in verse 45, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Now, he doesn't say so that you may become children of your Father in heaven, because if you have a relationship with God, you already are a child of God. But he's basically saying so that you may be acting like children of God, acting like God, reflecting his character, because this is how children of God act. They love their enemies, and pray for those who persecute them. Then he adds, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, 
sun and rain are needed to grow crops. And his point is that these are good things, gifts from God, the sun and the rain to grow your crops. And whether you're good or evil, you both get this good thing from God. So God blesses people, even his enemies, with the sun and with the rain, just as he does with the righteous. In verse 46, it says, For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? Tax collectors were considered evil people, people without morals, people without scruples. He said, well, even they love their family. Even they love their kids. If that's what you do, you're, you're no different than they are. And then similarly, verse 47, And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Now, the Gentiles, they don't know God. And so act no differently from them would be showing that you have no greater spirituality than people that have no spirituality. So he's taking the general misunderstanding of what it means to follow the Mosaic law, that is, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, and say, no, 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 yeah, you got to love your neighbor. But that's not the limit of it. And in fact, the, the context of the Leviticus 19 passage was not taking revenge or bearing grudges and say, no, no, don't be that. Instead, love them. So it was no way limiting who you love. But people want to put some limits. I don't have to love that person. Now, loving is not the same as liking. Loving is acting for the best of that person and making a conscious decision to care about them. Doesn't mean you have to like them. Doesn't mean you can't correct them. It means you have to desire the best for them. And his point is if you're only limiting that to the people who like you and people that are around you and your friends and family, you're no different than somebody who has no spiritual background at all. And he sums up in verse 48. And this is a summation for all of these six examples about the application of the law. He says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, how do we do that? Well, first thing we do is we step back and realize this is not another rule to follow. He's pushing against rules. In all these cases, these six examples he's given, he's okay, there's the rule, but to be a child of God, a follower of Christ, is to do it differently. Not just follow the rule, but to act from the heart. And that's the real issue, is what happens in your heart and how you act as a result of that. So it's not another rule to follow. It's a desire of your heart to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And this goes along with back what he said in verse 20. Your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Their righteousness comes from following the rules. And how does your righteousness exceed that? Because issues of your heart and that desire to be perfect. What he means here is to emulate the character of God. Now, the word gets translated perfect here. Most all English translations translate it as perfect in this case. It, it can mean complete, perfect, mature. Props up several times in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, usually as blameless or fully devoted. And there's several times a challenge to be blameless. 
and sometimes people are even described as being blameless. So that's a good picture of how it's translated. In the New Testament, sometimes it's translated as perfect, like it is here. Sometimes it's translated as mature. Now here he says be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So obviously he's saying emulate the character of God. Your righteousness comes not from following rules. Your righteousness comes from your relationship with God. And then out of that righteousness flows our action, emulating God. Several places in the Old Testament, people are told, be holy because I am holy. And again, that's the idea, imitate God. And so it's carrying that idea forward, imitate God. And the goal is to be like God. That's the only way to understand the law. The only way to understand the Old Testament. Get beyond following the rules and go back to the intention what the law flows out of. What's God's character? What's God's desire? What does God want? So how do you do this? How would I be perfect like God is perfect? Well, the whole idea here is transformation. got to change the way I think. And that's going to come from being immersed in the Word of God, immersed in the Bible. Now, what's going to change my heart? Now, I can't change my heart, but I can certainly cooperate with God in changing my heart. That's an action of the Holy Spirit. And that comes out of my relationship with God. So I become more like God by learning to think more like God, by feeding on His Word, and learning to act more like God, have a heart for God, by deepening my relationship with him. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Matthew.